that fix-it mode for me is looking for that safety, looking for that acceptance and that assurance that, you know, I'm a good person externally when really it comes from it's internally Mm. and goes out. Hi, everyone. This is Julie Gillespie, your host from Conversations with Julie podcast, the show that's a safe place to come together to understand how conversations are and what connects us. Today is a personal conversation with someone I consider a friend, colleague and inspiration, where we get to unpack the discomfort of having a conversation. And we go there. We go into discomfort. I'll be taking you along my journey of curiosity to understand how conversations have become so personally difficult and show how we can overcome those obstacles to connection. The other types of conversations we'll be having moving forward are with mental health first aiders, um, business leaders, and those personal reflections to give you a wide variety of real life experiences. Today, we're talking with my professional assistant, Emma Schneider. Our purpose of this is creating a common language around conversations and what is a conversation. We talked about language around Um, the definitions of different elements that make up a conversation. And what we'll do is we're going to have those words, those definition points uh, in a document that you can download from the website. So you can use this as well as conversation starters. So I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Uh, Thank you for joining us and let's start a conversation that makes a difference. So I'm going to start our conversation backwards. Mm Mm-hmm because we're good for that. So just a bit of kind of understanding that Emma and I know each other, so we can do this, and I'm going to make her really uncomfortable. Yes, already there. (laughs) And I love you. (laughs) So what I want to do is ask three questions, and these are just kind of, you know, baselines so we can um, see where you're at with things. And I know you've prepared some answers. So I want you to fill in the blank. A conversation can. So to me, a conversation can be, I know it can be uncomfortable. Uh, I'm working through trying to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, my voice is really shaky right now and I'm freaking out slightly. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. So I know it can be uncomfortable with everything that we've done together. Mm -hmm. Um, In the past, it was never like that for me. A conversation was always sort of very surface level. It never went any deeper. Um, Whereas now being allowed to go that into that depth that it needs to go and get there kind of quickly is something that I'm learning. So a conversation has a permission set to it. Yes. Okay. Because you said allowed and I'm always really curious about that word allowed. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So a conversation can. So a conversation, bottom line, can be whatever the hell you want it to be. I love that answer. answer. Can be whatever you want it to be. Hmm. Cool. Let's come (laughs) back to it. So what has been the greatest lesson, good or bad, that you've learned about having a conversation? So for me, my biggest lesson and I guess my biggest regret was not saying something when something should have been said. So not having the conversation. Being too uncomfortable or that whole, I don't know what the right thing is to say. I don't want to bring something up and trigger someone by Mm. having a conversation meant that I never then had the conversation. And that is sort of a regret that I have. I think that's one that's shared by everyone. Like, and, and I'm happy to jump in and, and speak to people and, you know, be pokey. That's yes, kind we of, know. <laughs> kind of what I'm known for, obviously. <laughs> uh, but still there's those regrets of the times that I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a shared thing. But yeah, yeah no, I, I, I see you and I hear you on that one. Yeah. Okay, so what is something you would like others to know about having difficult conversations? Um, I guess... For me, I had to look at my notes then because I went completely blank. But for me, it's acknowledging that you're uncomfortable, going, hey, I'm actually really uncomfortable now. I'm really nervous. You're going to hear my voice being 
jittery and you're going to see me fidgeting and see that, you know, my fingers are absolutely numb right now. Um, and that's okay. And just saying, hey, I'm uncomfortable. I don't actually know what to say. What do you need from me right now? Yeah, well, then you're not having to guide a conversation. Yeah. So it becomes listening? I guess so. Cool, I like that. Or asking um, asking them to explain possibly more mm-hmm. so that then I've got more information to ask more questions. Okay, because, you know, we, we traditionally think that a conversation is something that's pokey and intrusive and all of those things. But what you're describing there is just seeing someone and asking them a question and hearing them. Yeah. Kind of changes their perspective of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess allowing them to be whatever they need to be. And with me, and I know this is going to come up later, with me out without having me to come in and fix something, mm. which I know is coming up later. <laughs> <laughs> I love that word, fix. Yes. Okay. Yes. So what I'm going to do, thank you for those answers <laughs> and thanks for playing with me and doing that first up. That's I know okay. I've changed the agenda on That's you. That's okay. That's um, okay. But uh, I, I think it's just fascinating to kind of do that first and see where we're at. So Emma and I have put together some questions of things that we want to unpack because this particular podcast is about what's in a conversation. So as you can tell from some of those answers, there's, there's so many different things to a conversation you know, to so many different elements, so many different um, components to it. And I love language. So this is something that everyone will get to know about me. I love understanding and creating a common language because that's how we create culture and grow culture, right? Yep. So I want to discuss, you know, several different topics and I'm going to have to have someone tell me to keep on time because we <laughs> can talk for hours about this stuff. Um So I want to talk about definitions of some key language and talking with someone like Emma who's studying these things now and researching these things and coming to understand what these things mean for her, I thought was just a perfect way of all of us unpacking this together because I think this is an important component. Pardon me. So the first thing off our list that I want to unpack, and it did come up earlier, is about seeking permission, this allowed stuff. What does it mean to seek permission from someone in a conversation to you? So I've got to admit, you know, we got these questions and I've written notes and Mm. thought a lot about them. And that was the hardest one for me to actually come up with an answer with. It was a real sticking point. And I was really um, actually worried about (laughs) this question today because I didn't feel prepared. So in saying that, what kind of came out through that process for me was, you know what, it's it's all right if I don't know the answer to a question. I can be whatever. Mm. I trust Julie. I trust this process. And it can just be whatever it needs to be. And in thinking that, I kind of answered the question myself. I've given myself that permission to just let it be whatever it needed to be. Oh, so it's a self-permission as well. Yeah, which is something that I'm working on. You know, it's always been an external thing that I've, you know, had people around me that I gave them permission to speak into whatever was going on in my life and to help me. Um, And at the moment, I guess I'm really working hard on that internal process of allowing myself just to be uncomfortable And to be anxious and nervous and to go, it's okay. I don't have to stop these feelings. I can just let them be what they need to be and just keep going. I love that. So there's this permission to um, be okay in discomfort. There's this permission to listen to your own voice. Um, There's this permission to not have to necessarily listen to other people's voices. Yeah. Whereas we normally think of permission of something we seek from other people. Yeah. And I'm curious about that because you've put yourself first. And I know, I know you and that's not something that's been the regular, the normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, what change does that create when you're seeking permission from self first before someone else? 
Putting myself first has been this amazing eye opener mm. about what is actually, you know, inside me, you know, um, what I can actually do mentally and physically just by giving myself permission to be uncomfortable, to be okay feeling anxious, to be okay during a panic attack mm. and going, you know what, this is what my body needs to go through right now and that's all right. That's cool. Let's just let it do its thing. I'm not going to try and stop it because for so many years I tried to stop the panic attacks, tried to stop the anxiety, tried to stop whatever it was. And now I'm starting to try this. It's my body's just doing whatever it needs to do in the time and that's fine. Let it run its course and see what comes out of it. Sounds like a gift to self. It kind of has been. Yeah. Um, It's been really eye-opening. Um, and I know that my body has, when I stopped trying to fix the problem at the time, my body is reverting back to normal. Well, I'm finding out what normal is in my body and it's reverting back to it really quickly. Okay. So it, then when there's discomfort by giving self permission to be okay in that, gives you this kind of gateway into a conversation a lot easier. You see it differently. Yeah. Mm. yeah. There's going to be this thing. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Because <laughs> the second one here is about gaining clarity. And it's something that we don't often do, you know, in the human race. We just kind of hear something being said and we go with the assumption of we understand what's being said. Yeah. I see this like everywhere. Like this This is this is the pandemic in my in my view. What does gaining clarity do for you? What does that even mean to you, I guess? For me, I am someone who loves to research and learn. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly researching. Um, And so for me, gaining clarity is trying to understand the situation, but it's also then um, understanding the language that's being used and um, being around with you a lot and seeing how important language is for you, that's kind of filtered through to me. And it's like, actually, no, we do need to be using the same language. You know, things, for example, like, oh, I'm feeling anxious today. Actually, no, I'm nervous today. That's all it is. It's not anxiety. It's nerves. And there's probably a bit of an excitement in there as well. So clarity is using the right language Mm -hmm. so that we're not clouding our minds or putting negative images into our minds or negative thoughts into our minds and into our bodies because we're using the wrong words. So we're not putting all of that stuff into a single bucket of that's anxiety. No. Because doing that, we're kind of not paying service to, well, no, it's excitement because it feels the same. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of nerves instead of anxiety. Yeah. Um, guess what? I can use that. That's good energy. Yeah. That's got you here today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Uh, you know, so th- by gaining clarity, it's clarity with self. Yes. Starts there. Yeah. But there's also what you're talking about of, you know, listening to me and the importance that I've had around language is that you've asked questions also of what do you mean by that? Yes. Yeah. And it's such a simple statement. Yeah, it is. Because I think it's really important to be using the same language with the people that you're around all the time. So that, you know, if I come to you and go, oh, I'm really jittery today, and you go, oh, you're just anxious. It's like, actually, no, that's not the right language. Because that's only going to put a negative thought back into me. So I think it's really important to have clarity around your your core group of people. Um, and once I think you have that, there's that balance, there's that mutual understanding that you can kind of use so that when you are with external people that aren't using the same language, it's not as hard to hear the negative, yeah. the, the cloudiness that yeah. comes through, if that kind of makes sense. But I love what you just did there of... Um you know, using that analogy of, oh, I'm a bit jittery today and, you know, someone's saying, oh, no, you're, well, you're anxious. And you said, no, actually. Yeah. Y- you know, you demonstrated really beautifully there of, well, no, hang on a second, my language is this. Yeah. And I think you do that more naturally than you give yourself credit for. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Um, but <laughs> okay. that's, that's part of this gaining clarity is also 
giving clarity when it's like, well, actually, no, that's not the interpretation. Like you've given it a different, maybe your own language. That's how you frame it. But for me, I'm being really clear. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. That changes conversations. Yes. Yeah. Question, because I think this is really important. For the better or the worse sometimes? Depends who you're having the conversation with. Ooh. Mostly. Let's go majority. Okay. Mostly I think it's for the better because I think you will then start a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. If someone is, says, for me, use the example of, hey, no, you're anxious, and I say, actually, no, I'm just nervous. There's a bit of excitement. This is new for me, and I don't, you know, I don't particularly do well with new things sometimes. You know, it might get them thinking, oh, well, hang on, what's, what's my definition around anxiety? Why did I think that was anxiety? And gets them thinking. But is that also then this bridge to compassion? Like, is this their ability of being able to go, oh, okay, well, I get that. Yeah. Because anxiety, we could kind of do this pushback thing. Yes. Where it's just like, oh, that's that. Yeah. I'm just going to dump it over there yeah, and yeah. then be happy with that. Whereas if it's explained, it's like, well, we can kind of pick it back up and have a look, right? Yes. And just go, oh, well, it's the, that makes sense. I yeah. see what's happening. Yeah. What's the next question? Is there something I can do to help? Yes. This, this is why I love gaining clarity. You know, I think it's such an important topic. And, you know, for individuals, for families, for friends, for workplaces, for all of that, I think it's just, you know what, I want to gain some clarity here. What does this look like to you? What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's get on the same page length. There we go. Page length. Page length. Oh, that was bad. (laughs) But it is. It's this page. It's a long page. Wavelength or the same page. Wavelength or page. I love it. Page length. We've created new language today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. Don't you worry about that. So because this is like this really goes into that next question that we've got, you know, is, you know, what is the purpose of common language? Mm. Um, It's around this creating, you know, uh, clarity. Yeah. Um, but it's also this foundation of culture. Yeah. And trust as well, building yeah. trust. Because that's, I know that's one of our questions, you know, um, down the track, but let's yeah. step into that now. What does trust mean to you? Mm. So I know you've got internal and external within those, yeah. within that question. Um, so it wasn't actually that long ago that we would had this exact conversation and, you said to me, what's trust mean to you? And I said, well, I trust you. I, I trust that I can be myself 100%, not have a filter and all of that sort Which of I stuff. Which I love, by the way. <laughs> um, and then you went on to say, what about internal trust? I'm like, no, no, I just trust the people around me. <laughs> I made you we very nervous. We don't go internal. <laughs> Since that conversation, yes. <laughs> that has stuck with me. Um, and I bring that into my everyday life. So, um, as we've spoken, I do yoga every day. And within that, I set an intention every day that is always around trust and trusting myself, trusting my body, trusting my thoughts to be whatever they need to be and trust that, you know what, I can, I can handle it. I've got space to be able to handle whatever comes and that's fine. So that trust element is something that I'm working on, internal trust. Mm. Um, and it is, it, is, it is building and it's building strong. It's, it's interesting. But that's only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I, I know that we had this conversation in preparation for the podcast and yes. in preparation for what we were going to talk about, yeah. which you didn't know at the time mm-hmm. was going to be you necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's only a couple of weeks ago that we had that. But the transformation, what's what's that been like when there's this internal trust? Oh, it's been incredible because it also ties in with um, permission, yeah. the internal permission. You know, I trust that my body is going to do whatever it needs to do and that's okay. And I'm going to allow it to do whatever it needs to do because it's fine. Because I remember, and I hope you don't mind me bringing up this no. story, that, you know, you guys bought a car recently mm-hmm. and normally that's the husband's job. Mm-hmm. Thank you, husbands, all around for doing <laughs> this for us because for us to have to we push anymore. <laughs> uh, but there is this, you, you know, you would normally go off and, you know, be oh, completely yeah. away from the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to hide from that, the negotiations. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I know the dread that comes with it. Um 
But you said to me after this conversation, after we'd kind of broken these things down and we started talking about this internal trust and language and gaining clarity, you actually did some of the negotiations on a car yourself. I did. I did. (laughs) My mind was blown. It was just like, excuse me? I even test drove it, which I've never done. I've never test driven a car. Um, The first time I would drive a car is once we buy it. And I buy a lot of cars. Yeah. (laughs) We currently have three cars. in a tiny apartment. Anyway, um, that's beside the point. But I never do the test driving. I've always feel uncomfortable. I always make, you know, my husband do it. And this time I went, you know what? No, this is my car. I walked into the office and said, I want to test drive that car. Did all the paperwork I needed to do and drove it all out and um, was there standing next to my husband as we negotiated. And I was able to help out with that negotiation. And signed all the paperwork and paid for it all myself and drove out. Coming from trusting self, giving self permission to be whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Does that, are these the elements, I guess, of being able to speak up for what you need, what you want? 100%. Yeah. Because this is what I see, like, so often in the work that I do in the mental health first aid training and just kind of poking the bear, like that, the fun that I get to have is that, you know, people aren't speaking up to ask for what they want or need or would like to have or would like to participate in. It's like, that looks like fun. Can I be there? These are kind of those elements that get in the way of that by the sounds of it. Yeah. I think also people don't always know what they need. Okay. I think that that's part of an element um, because they're so internalised with their thoughts. They don't know how to verbalise it. Um, you know, they're not willing to verbalise it as well. And then I think as a result, people don't actually know what they want. Is that fear of something? Oh, I think so. And that's individual, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, we all have our own fears, mm. our own quirks. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Um, so, the, but this is where that kind of trust element comes into play, yeah. Um, permission. yeah. Seeking clarity. Yeah. And all of the stuff that we're, we'll be talking about today. Yeah. It all comes within that sort of healing or um, growing journey that I think, you know, I know I'm currently going through. So what you've just basically said to me is that a conversation can heal. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. like that concept. Simple conversations. It doesn't mm. need to always be with the therapist or whatever it needs, you know. Doesn't need to be with medical people. Yeah, it's a simple conversation between friends mm. or between strangers. <laughs> they can be quite powerful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm I'm loving where this is going. Um, really important question, and I just want to kind of preface this with you know, in coming in today, you know, I want to talk about safety and setting a safe space, holding a safe space. And I didn't start with that because as part of our conversation, because we already did it. Yeah. Um, We've spoken about this. Um, uh, Emma's given me permission to ask these questions. Um, She volunteered to do this, which I was really surprised and so incredibly grateful for. Um, But on our way in today and just every step along the way of talking out what we were feeling, what we're doing, what this was looking like, and this gentle kind of movement through of we already hold the safe space, but yeah. we're just holding it a bit steadier and got a bit of a jacket on for <laughs> a comfort. warm hug and, you know, comfort and stuff like that. But I want to talk about safety in conversations and its importance because yeah. we've established that over a number of years. Um, and I think that's why you're able to sit here today. Yes. yes. But what does safety mean? Like, well, what does it look like even? You know, I'd written something down and we can get back to it later, but right now, Safety is apologising when you've stuffed up in a conversation. <laughs> For me, yeah. you know, I, I I often say the wrong thing. Well, I often say things that can trigger people because I have no filter. Um, I'm working on slowing down my thought processes. <laughs> but I always then felt afraid apologising. I would see that I had triggered someone and I didn't know what to do. I froze because I was then uncomfortable. Mm, and you didn't want to make it worse. Exactly. But it's a matter of going, 
hey, look, I shouldn't have said what I said. I'm really sorry about that. You know, what I actually meant was this or, you know, do you want to talk about what I said and how that made you feel? You know, it really is as simple as just going, hey, I stuffed up. Well, because I, I love that you've got no filter, so you've not had to apologise to me about that. Um, but, you know, I do ask questions when I see that there's no filter and, you know, so I don't get triggered, I guess, from it. Yeah, yeah. But those that do because they don't have that safe space necessarily yeah. set up or the the trust that yeah. we have and, and things like that, I can imagine th- those things would disrupt someone. Oh, um, exactly. Exactly. So... When you've apologised, what has that looked like? What has that felt like for you? And what have you noticed happening to them in that? Well, to be honest, it's only something that's very new to me. Mm. So I haven't practised it that much. Um, But the times I have done it, it's just, it's diffused the reaction. It's diffused their reaction. It's diffused my reaction, which is to go into shutdown mode. And then feel guilty about it for months and months and months and months and months. Yeah, it kind of sits with your own. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking, you know, you're in the shower going, why did I say that? <laughs> what an idiot. You know, and if I'm thinking about it down the track, I really should go back and go, hey, you know that stupid thing I said to you months ago? I feel really bad about that. And I just wanted to say, I'm really sorry. They'd probably go, huh? <laughs> exactly. But you know, maybe it's more for me than that I need to apologise for my own safety. Um, because you do, you dwell on the stupid things that you've said. What has that done to self-trust? Oh, well, when you don't apologise, your mm. self-trust goes down because you're going, oh, well, you know, maybe I can't have a conversation with people and, you know, I can't say the right thing, so I should just shut my mouth and not say anything at all. But that's my one regret. Yeah. But isn't that interesting, the intertwine of all these words? Yeah. So what does then safety look like? Safety looks like being safe within myself to recognise that I've triggered someone and to be gentle within myself to go, you know what, hey, it's okay that you've triggered someone, just apologise and work through it. So you're able to recognise the the reaction, the emotions, yeah. you know, the, the fallout um, and self-settle, self-soothe, yeah. self-apologise yeah. to yeah. be able to then do it externally. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the, all of those elements that we've spoken about so far are, you know, the, the trust, um, permission, gaining clarity, all form that space of safety. Yeah. Yeah. All of this sits within its, within each other. When do you know you're safe with someone? Hmm. When I know I'm safe with someone, I feel safe within myself. Okay. So there's definite those external influences. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm still learning to be self-safe within myself, um, I really do still rely on my external people to to feel safe around them. Mm. And when I'm safe around them, the safety comes internally. But I am finding around people who I do feel a little uncomfortable with, I'm feeling safer within them. I'm feeling safer within myself around them. Sorry. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think that is because of the work I'm doing with the self-trust and the mm. self-acceptance. I think that is all ties in with the safety within yourself. And it's part of this, I guess, maturing of capability and capacity and, and those things. It's, yeah. you know, it's trying, failing, oopsie, you yeah. know, apologising, moving on. Yeah. But yeah. taking those learnt moments um, along with us as not inconvenient baggage or regret. Yeah. They're these instruments of growth. Yes. But they've not been seen that way before. And this is what I'm always curious about is like, but they were good things to learn from. Yes. But because they were sort of seen, I guess, in a negative light, they've stayed, well, in me personally, they've stayed within me in a negative way. So then... I've dwelled on them in a negative way. Mm. And so now it's a matter of reframing that, those negative situations to reframe them to go, actually, no, what did I learn from that? How have I changed because of that? Yeah. 
So it's, it's, there's a reframe that is happening and needs to continue to happen. Hey, it's Julie here. I thought we'd just take a quick break. I just wanted to say thank you for listening and I'm glad you're here with us. It would mean the world to me if you could support this podcast by leaving a review, following it, or sharing it with someone you want to start a conversation with. Now, back to the conversation. Because what we're talking about is this self-compassion. Yes. You know, yeah. the, the, this is what it looks like. You know, yeah. um, you know, so much reading that I've done into, you know, self-compassion and, and you know, there there's a lot of great researchers out there, you know, who's done the work. Um, it's still like, well, how do I do that? What what are the elements of it? You know, how does that function, mm. you know, inside of me? And I think these are the components. This is what I've kind of been able to figure out. These are the components in and around it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about that because there's there's two important questions here and two important points here. And I'm, I'm going to sit with um, the reaction one first because for me, when I see a reaction, I, I know what I do. You know, it's um, and it doesn't matter if it's a big one. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy with where I'm at to kind of face it, but I know that in seeing a reaction in someone is really intimidating for yes. yourself. Yes. What do you do with that? Like, what what did you used to do, and what do you do now? So, I used to shut down completely. I would just if if I caused a reaction, if I saw a reaction, if I was around a reaction, I would just shut down sit there quietly and in my head it's negative thoughts it's you know that person said this it's their fault or their fault or I would never actually go you know what that was on me and I really should apologize for that Um, or it wasn't on you or it wasn't on me and hey I can sit here and nothing was my fault but I can try and help diffuse the situation Um, so yeah I just would go blank I would go quiet I would just sit there and do nothing because I didn't know that, I didn't trust myself, I didn't know that I could do more. That's such a hard position to be in, like, and I feel, you know, that, you know, that, and, and I think there are times that all of us, mm. you know, do that because it's self-protection too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It keeps you safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably has kept you safe, you know, over the years. And I think we grow up with this sense, and I think we all go through a similar type of thing of, you know, um, upset parents or upset people of authority and we just kind of, yes, you know, we kind of yeah. bow down and in and, and we kind of shut down to protect our feelings. Yeah. But I think as we get older, we give ourselves permission to say, you know what, that's actually not on me. Yeah, exactly. What helps with that, do you think? So the first step for me to, uh, in helping with that is acknowledgement. It's, okay, acknowledgement that there has been a reaction. Mm. That person, those people have been triggered for whatever reasons. It doesn't matter. They've been triggered. Right, okay, do I need to step into this? Mm. Is it okay for them to just do their thing? What do I actually need to do? I love that question. Sometimes it doesn't need to be anything. It just needs to be sitting there, being comfortable or, you know, generally uncomfortable, but looking comfortable, like, yeah, I do this Comfortable every day. in your discomfort. Yeah. Um, but just sitting there and, you know, just being open and just accepting whatever happens and just going, you know what, it's okay. Mm. Because just because they're triggered, it doesn't mean that they're going to be triggered forever because of that situation. Some people can be triggered, deal with it, yell and scream or whatever, and then they're done. That's it. Well, it's a relief. They got That's, it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, it's acknowledgement is, the, for me, the first step going, yeah, they've been triggered. Okay, now what do I need to do? Yeah, and, you know, the what I've learned over the years is to ask about it. It's yeah. like, I see something's happening for you at the moment. What's that about? Yeah. Because I don't want to take ownership for something that's not mine. No. No, and, no, no. you know, because if I'll take responsibility where I need to, um, I'll own my own discomfort, my own emotions. But if it's not mine, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not stepping in. Yeah. Because this leads into the fixer. Yes. We love this conversation. Mm-hmm. I know we do. Because when we take responsibility for someone else's reaction, we end up catching their emotion. That's, that's kind of, you know, what I've seen over the years, mm. what I've researched, what I've come to understand, is that we catch 
the emotion, where you catch the reaction, they go high, we go high. Yeah. So what you've been talking about, you know, when, you know, you acknowledge your reaction and you what you're doing acknowledging kind of pushes it out from you. Yes. And it kind of puts it here and you just go, oh, okay, well, you know, that, that's a reaction. It takes it away from self as well, doesn't it? Yes. When it takes it away from self, it's like, okay, well, you know, this is something that we can do. You can be thinking about it. Yeah, your own emotions don't come into it. Right. Yeah. But if we catch it, yeah. if we embody that, if that's something that we take on and we go high with them, we go into fix mode, don't we? Yes. Because we want to resolve those feelings. That's yeah. That's our instinct. Yeah. You know, we want to help people. We want people to feel good. Well, I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I do go, I have gone into fix it mode Many, many times. <laughs> so why would you do that? What's the importance of being able to fix things? Because I like people to be happy. <laughs> I like people to like me. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> which is, is the bottom line. Which is the bottom line. It is. I, I want people to think good things about me. I don't want them to go, oh, you know, she's, what, what she said was a bit, mm, I don't really like her. Or, you know, I, I want people to, yeah, just to think that I'm a good person. And, okay, because there's, I always find this really interesting that it's tied up with being a fixer. I know why. Sorry. Oh, I oh just, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just, I, had just a, I got a table tap. <laughs> I'm listening to the table tap. Go. I just had an aha moment. Awesome. Because I've always seeked externally for permission and trust and safety. That's why. That's interesting. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. 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 Okay. Therapy done? This is yeah, not therapy. <laughs> no, no, this is not therapy, but this helps. This helps. Yeah, Because yeah. this is what a conversation Yeah, exactly. Because it brings out those answers. Okay. So going into fix-it mode. Yes. Fixer mode is about those things. You know, yeah. it, it's about what you get in return. Yes. This is what I find yes. fascinating. We're seeking something in return. So there is an agenda that comes along with fixing. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is what's fascinating. If there's an agenda along with fixing, who are we helping? We think <laughs> we're helping the other person. Right. But we are trying to help ourselves. Feel better, right? Yeah. Okay. So how's that helping? Oh, it's not. Okay. No, no, it's it's not. Well, and and this is just it. You know, I'm I'm always curious about. You know, I'm going to put other people first, and you know, um, and and then there's this conversation of, well, I told them what to do, and I gave them all this great advice, but they haven't taken it. Why aren't they taking it? I'm really pissed off that you know, I've been working with this person for twelve months now, and they're still yeah. in the same position. And it's just like, well, hang on a second. Have you asked them what they need? Yeah. No, well, I know what they need. And it's like, okay, hang on a second, let's sit back. So you're tied up in with their outcome. You're taking responsibility for their outcome. Mm. How's that helping them? And 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 is that outcome actually what they want? Yeah. Because what we're doing when we go into fix-it mode, and, and I, I've had this discussion for years now in doing the mental health first aid stuff. Yeah. First aid's triage. It's not fixing people. Yeah. Um, you know, the, that as soon as we go in with our agenda, as soon as we go in to try and fix the situation, as soon as we tell someone what to do with their problem, we're devaluing that person. Yeah. We're disengaging that person. We are reminding them that they can't do it. Yes. And therefore they must be worthless. Yes. Um, we're, we're taking, you know, their hands out of the ring. That the, the, We're tying their hands behind their back. Yeah. And it's like, they're there, darling. You obviously can't do this. Yeah. Let me come in and do it for you. And and look how fabulous I am. Yes. And and I know I'm being pokey and there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who are just going, oh, you know, that. what are you talking about? Sit in that reaction for a second. Yeah. It's okay, but have a think about it. You know, we're, we're disempowering people if we're going into fix. Yeah. We talk about, and I've been unpacking this idea of um, compassionate empathy, you know, for a long time and explaining it for a long time. Um it, it's from uh, Daniel Goleman, and he talks about empathy in three lights. Cognitive empathy of being able to see someone in distress. You're yeah. really good at that. You can yeah. see when someone's yeah. reacting. Yeah, It can lead to either shutdown or 
um, sympathy. The, they're there. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. There's emotional empathy, which is where we feel what, what someone else is feeling. Yeah. That's not safe for me because no. I'm not going to sit and cry in a corner with someone and catch their emotion. Yeah. Because what it can do is I go into fix-it mode to try and resolve my own hurt feelings. Yeah. Instead of acknowledging their pain and sitting yeah. with them in, with their pain. Then there's compassionate empathy where we can do the cognitive. We can see someone in pain. We can go, oh, man, that's really tough. And we can ask them a question of, hey, what's happening right now? I can see you're in distress. Mm. So we're acknowledging the human. We're acknowledging their distress. Um, and, and then validating it, being able to go, wow, you know, I can see you're having a tough time. And, yeah, that 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 sound, seems awful, you mm. know. And then we might ask the question of how long you've been feeling this way for. Yeah. What have you been doing to resolve it? Oh, that's a that's a nice question, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because guess what? That validates the human there and saying you've you've got capacity to do this. So yeah. I'm betting that you've done something to resolve it. Yeah. Talking that out might help to clarify what thoughts are going on in the brain. Is there something I can do to support your efforts? Yes. Now there's no agenda there, like, and you know, the, there's no difficulty in a conversation. Um, it's just acknowledging the human and not the problem. Yeah. You know, and and I see what you're doing. This process that you're doing is not just self-compassion, but it's able to then exercise compassionate empathy a lot easier. Yeah. Because you're not just seeing someone in distress; you're then asking them about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's been hard. Oh, yeah. But how hard is it really? Now you've done it a couple of times. It's getting easier. Um, y- you know, like I can't, I'm, I'm still not able to have the full conversation and, you know, I've done the MHFA, the Mental Health First Aid um, course, and that is is a great course and a very big eye opener. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's okay. Because you learn so much about that. It really is just a conversation. Um, so I got really good at, you know, the first couple of questions and, and then I got really stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still at that. I'm really stuck. point. But that's okay because I know that's going to come. Well, and, you know, the, the mental health first aid is just triage. It's just holding yeah. a safe space for someone. Yeah. And I think when you're practiced at doing that for yourself, it's easier than to do it for someone else. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And, and to not go into that fix-it mode. Mm. And, you know, even even if you are sort of someone who does like to try and fix things for other people, acknowledge that. Acknowledge that when you're in that situation and go, hey, normally I would try and tell you what to do because I'm uncomfortable and I think that's going to help, but that's not going to help you. You know, it might help me to feel a bit better, but I'm not the one that needs the help at the moment. I love that. Which it just comes to that acknowledgement again. Well, then there's also this permission piece, isn't there? Yeah. You know, um, can I be someone that helps you? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's acknowledging and respecting someone and it's good manners. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you're not the right person to help them. Yeah. And that's okay too. Yeah. Maybe just that conversation alone going, am I the right person to help you? And they might go, actually, no. That would take a massive weight off not only your shoulders, but the person who is, you know, in the situation as well for them to just release that. And to be able to say, well, can I give someone a call for you? Or yeah. are you okay? Like, you know, are you happy to move on from this? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, this is what I love about unpacking these things, you know, and, and being able to have a look at these words. What do these words actually mean? Yeah. So from a, you know, um, a friendship basis, a team basis, a business leader basis, an industry basis, because in all of my conversations in these podcasts, we're going to be unpacking all of these different areas. I think this stuff is just the same. Yeah. No I matter so. where we turn up. I think so. You know, and, and, and from an industry perspective, you know, how are they supporting these types of conversations? You know, where's the permission set? Mm. You know, where does the safety set? Yeah. What does trust even look like? anymore what are what are industries doing to gain the trust of the people within the industry yeah um and i think it starts from these types of conversations yes there's individual stuff that happens but there are these different external factors that yeah. go from the micro out to the macro yeah so these are the things that 
we're going to be unpacking. And and just to let everyone know, I've got Emma going to be sitting in the room with me for all of these conversations. So, you know, you get to have the fun along with me. You get to learn. <laughs> so I just want to um, come back to our questions because, you know, the, I, I kind of surprised Emma by bringing them up front and early, you know, to begin with. And sorry about that, my dear. That's okay. Um, but you went with it. I really appreciate that. So I want to come back to these and see if there are any changes and because some of my views on them even changed just by having this conversation. So let's go. Uh, fill in the blank. A conversation can. As probably cliche as it sounds, a conversation can actually be life-changing. Mm. To someone who is in a really uncomfortable situation, and not only just that person, say me, having a conversation, uncomfortable conversation with you right now, no. Um, but it, I think it can be life-changing to, to both of those people because, okay. as we know, your aha moments, and we've had one today, comes through discomfort. Yeah. And having that uncomfortable situation, you're going to get really good outcomes that will sit with you potentially forever and can potentially just change the course of your life. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, it gets really expansive, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what has been the greatest lesson, good or bad, that you've learned about having a conversation? Uh, yeah, it's still the not having the conversation. Mm. That That's something that's really stuck with me. That's definitely a big regret for me is just not having the songs, not having the conversation. And I think in those times and, you know, there's a few situations that come to mind where I wish I did have the conversation, just a simple, hey, you okay? What's, what's happening here? Like, what, what, what do we need to do right now? It's all that needed to be done. Or I see what you're doing. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> You've said that to me a couple of times. Only because I felt comfortable. Anyway, I, I think it's still that it's a simple conversation mm. and it is worth being uncomfortable to have those conversations. Yeah, and I think you're, you've been collecting these data points along the way. So I call um, uh, emotions, reactions, um, events, you know, these types of things that we get into as data points. Not to take the emotion and not to take the the feelings and, mm. you know, the empathy away from it, but these are these data points. And you've been collecting them along the way to go, ah, I did that, but I didn't get a reaction that I thought I was going to. Yeah. And it actually turned out okay. Ah, here's another time. Yeah. That although I was uncomfortable, I got through it. Ah, here's a time that I could have labelled that anxiety, but you know what? It was nervousness, jittiness. Yeah. You know, and this little bit of excitement coming into play. Um, there's another data point. And I think we need some of those as evidence. Yeah, it's proof that, you know what, you, you can be. You can just be. That's, it's as simple as that. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what is something you would like others to know about having difficult conversations? Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> We're out of here, everyone, right? Excellent. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. It really is simple. It's mm. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah it yeah. really is. You know, <laughs> you're going to be like jittery and, uh, you know, also we're not going to go to what you're going to be feeling, but you're not going to be feeling good at the time. Can I ask you something on that? Yes. And with your permission, yes. we can always cut it out. Yes. Where do you feel it though, your discomfort? I feel it in my hands. I feel it in my gut and I feel it in my chest. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's different for everyone. Oh yeah. yeah, I think that might be a question that I have to ask everyone. It's like, where do you feel discomfort? Yeah, yeah. Because I ask that in the training room, you know, when I'm doing the mental health first aid, it's like, you know, I see that you're uncomfortable at the moment. My apologies for putting you there, but where are you feeling it at the moment? Yeah, and someone will go, "All oh, right, here, I don't want to breathe right now." It's like, yeah. okay, well, you know, fine, fair enough. Um, some people in the gut, you know, yeah. some people in the head get dizzy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shoulders stuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Drop yeah. the shoulders, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just relax. 
So when when we know where it is, when we point it out, I think it's that revelation of, you know, when it's pointed out, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what that is. Oh, okay, well. It's that understanding, it's that clarity. It's like, oh, okay, that's okay. It's another data point for me. That's fine. I'll get through this. It's just, you know, add it to my proof. I don't need to say anything else here, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I've asked my questions. We've unpacked all of these fabulous questions that we've kind of been building up and playing with for a really long time. And really long time. This is why I'm doing this. You know, this is part of the purpose of the podcast is to start these conversations, show people that's why we're doing video. Uh, (laughs) It's really uncomfortable having that there. But so they can see the discomfort, they can feel it along with us, but they can also process it along the way. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Um, any things, any takeaways, any things that you can um, share with us about this process? I loved, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> I sprang that question on I love that I had an aha moment. I mean, we have them all the time. Yeah. I wasn't expecting one today, to be honest. You well, know, you're prepared. Was, you've yeah, got yeah, you've got a page prepared. of handwriting. I do, I do. I probably didn't say half of the things on there, um, so I wasn't prepared for that. But that fix it mode for me is looking for that safety, looking for that acceptance and that assurance that you know I'm a good person externally. When really it comes from it's internally mm. and goes out. That's belonging. So that was that was really interesting. That that's mm. what I've been. That's why I've been in fix-it mode for so long because I needed that acceptance, that external acceptance. Because that's the belonging that we look for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. Big bunch of flowers from my heart to your heart. Excellent. I'd say any time, but no. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get you another cup of tea then. (laughs) I'm done now. (laughs) You're done now. You're tapping out? Okay. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll see you after this. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to that conversation. As you can see, it was a personal conversation. You got to sit in and join Emma and I in what we do on a daily basis when we come across difficult topics, concepts, ideas, feelings, thoughts, discomfort. We get to get curious about these things. Um, This is why we love what we do. We get to talk about these things in a way where there isn't judgment, um, where we don't point at discomfort. We sit and hold each other's space for it. The types of things that we're talking about is around seeking permission, you know, gaining clarity, you know, what does safety mean? What does trust mean? You know, this concept of turning up as a safe space, turning up as we belong. So there are so many concepts to this. This is one where we'll have um, some show notes that go along with it. And I really encourage you to have the structured conversation with um, either your partner, friends, your team in at work, um, something that you can do where it's part of that forming stage of a group. And it, it, it ends up being quite an interesting conversation. So thank you again for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to find out more about any of these topics, uh, you can go to the website. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please leave a review or share it with someone you want to start a conversation with. Don't forget to subscribe, follow it, podcast, um, and catch the latest from me. You can go to julie.gillespie.direct as my website. Thank you. <laughs>